Over the Wall podcast coming at you. Still no sports, but we're looking like late July with the NBA returning, possibly mid-July with baseball, but they're kind of stalling right now with negotiations. College football looks like it's going to be a full go. But as of right now, just with the craziness going on in this country, um, the protesting, you know, over racial injustice, police brutality, things of that nature. Drew Brees is coming to the fire with some comments he made. So we'll touch on that and kind of the reaction of his comments. We'll touch on uh, Commissioner Roger Goodell. He made some statements regarding protesting um, the national anthem, that he's going to be, you know, pro player in this situation moving forward. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the possibility of Colin Kaepernick coming back into the league and kind of my thoughts on that. And we'll talk about the NBA. Truth be told, I record some of these segments a little ahead of time. So I recorded an NBA segment a couple days ago before I'm, I'm posting this podcast. And I pretty much, you know, nailed it as far as some of the issues going forward. And I think some of the players are starting to see some of the issues and they're kind of rebelling towards this whole bubble in uh, Orlando where they're quarantined, the players and such. So we'll get into that. So let's get it. So a huge topic about a week ago that went on in the country and the sports world and really hit close to home in these parts is the Drew Brees interview with Yahoo Finance in which he said that he would never agree with anybody disrespecting the flag. And of course, with all, you know, some of the racial injustice situations going on and the protests all around the country, you know, that was an inflammatory statement to some. And, you know, it just created so much hype and, in my opinion, vitriol towards Drew Brees. Um, And was he tone deaf as far as the timing of that statement? Maybe. You know, I don't think he meant any malice. And if you would really listen to the whole interview, he had a lot of eloquent, eloquent things to say about, you know, the black community and his teammates and moving forward. You know, and how do we progress in society? Um, Like I said, he had a lot of great things to say. I think the part where he said he would never agree, I think those two words is what really incited all the vitriol from social media and obviously the media. You watch ESPNs, Fox Sports, you know, people just just came down on him hard. Um, in, In my opinion, maybe a little too hard. You know, I, I don't like the way, you know, Malcolm Jenkins uh, you know, took to Twitter in, in a video and really like basically cursed him out. And, and other athletes just, you know, you're going to try to crush this guy's name after he's been in the city of New Orleans and pretty much his whole athletic career dating back to college. Just a, a really good dude. And has done a lot for, you know, the state of Louisiana, the, you know, New Orleans area. He just gave $5 million to COVID-19 relief to the state. Um, and, and that check, did not, that didn't just say strictly for white people. That's for everybody. You know, I think, and here's my deal, when, when situations happen like this, I am not an outraged person. I never get outraged, okay? I try to look at the situation and assess it. And, you know, look at past history and things of that nature. We have a history with Drew Brees. If somebody 
you know, came out and said something bad about Drew Brees, that maybe, you know, he's not the greatest guy in the world, or maybe he's a racist over the past 20 years, and I would say, okay, well, maybe you, got, you, maybe you have, have something right there. You know, like if, a, if Jay Cutler, former quarterback, would have, would have came out and said that statement, I, I would have, you know, would have thought a little more about it because there's been people that haven't really liked him that much. Same thing with Aaron Rodgers, and same thing with other athletes. But, but that hasn't happened with Drew Brees. His teammates have loved him. The community loves him. I don't think because you say maybe one thing that gets taken really out of context that that, that should just ruin your whole you know, reputation. I don't believe in that at all. I think Jabriz is a good guy. I think if he could take it back, obviously he would not have said, I would never agree. I think he probably would have said, I want to stand for the flag. I want to stand for the national anthem. Here's why. And, and once again, he had great reasons why. And what I don't like is when people say, well, my, you know, African-Americans, and I get it, and trust me, what has happened in the past with African-Americans in this country is just flat out wrong. And they have a point. And I've heard African-American athletes say, well, you know, my grandfathers went to, you know, war for this country and, and didn't, didn't come back a hero. And I get that. But that's just Drew Brees' opinion. That's how he feels. That's what's on his heart, you know. Obviously, if, if his grandfathers came back from war and weren't treated as such, well, then he would feel differently, like you. But that's how he feels. And he shouldn't have to, you know, feel the same way about the flag as, you know, just everybody. We're all entitled to our own views and opinions. And that's why when the Kaepernick thing came out, yeah, it was a little inflammatory a couple years back. But then I really caught myself thinking, if you just made a rule and said everybody has to stand for the flag, why would that make you feel better? Because ultimately, not every person has the same viewpoints of the country, of politics, as you. That's just the reality. And it just, that, that's what's great about the country, though, is that you don't all have to have the same view. It's not propaganda being thrown at you. We can all have different viewpoints. You know, and so... That's why the, the whole standing, kneeling, that doesn't bother me one bit. If you want to kneel, kneel. I know how I feel about the national anthem. And if you feel a different way, that's fine. We're all entitled to different viewpoints. And so that's why it never really bothered me. And when Drew Brees says that, he, should ne- he, he probably should not have said, I would never agree with somebody not standing for the national anthem. That's kind of where he went wrong. He should have just said, well, I would stand, and here's why. Here's my opinion, but I support my teammates, which he would, I'm sure. He's not going to you know, go to the game on Sunday, stand for the National Anthem, and you know, try to get in somebody's face that's kneeling. That's, he's not going to do that. And you know, I, I, I felt for him to a certain extent because, like I said, you know he's not a bad guy. And he just got so much backlash but once again, I think the equity he has built up with the community and with his teammates for years, I think they'll be fine. And it, it does get, I guess, a little upsetting, too, because you know this is probably his last year. The, the team is really, really good, and this is one of their last chance to, to make it you know, to the Super Bowl, to go the distance. And will that affect them? I don't think it will, but that was definitely something that came to mind for me. And when we're on that topic, you know, we can also talk about the kneeling and then 
Roger Goodell making a statement. Like I said earlier, kneeling, standing, it doesn't bother me. Once again, I know my viewpoints towards the national anthem. Everybody else has different viewpoints. And, and one thing I, I've always said is that you will stress yourself out. You will even get de- depressed if you think you can control other people's feelings. Control what you can control. You can, can only control the way you feel. You don't want to control everybody else. That'll only just make you stressed out, depressed, mad, angry, sad. Everybody has different viewpoints. And we're moving forward in this country, okay? And rightfully so. I think everything can always be better, right? If we just stay status quo, we will never get better. That's how this country has advanced throughout the years. We have to progress. And it looks like the NFL is progressing. And I'm sure some people will not like it. That Roger Goodell is basically saying, you know, protests are going to be fine. But look, if you're going to turn off the game on Sundays and not watch your team because of these protests, then that's on you. I'm not. It doesn't bother me. Okay, you have to get over that. And I think it's a good move by Roger Goodell. Okay, he's not saying he doesn't, you know, respect America or anything of that nature. You know, he's just... He's kind of just saying, look, I'm with the guys, I'm with the players, and if they feel passionately about it, right, because like I said, you can't control people's feelings. If that's how players and, you know, especially the African-American players feel, where they want to, you know, protest for maybe racial injustice, uh, systematic oppression, um, police brutality, you, if that's what's on their heart, truly, right, then by all means, do I think it's disrespecting the flag? I think it's part of it to... Raise awareness, because if you weren't doing it, then, you know, the disrespect becomes, like I said, inflammatory. Therefore, you're now watching. Okay, now you're paying attention. But if it comes from a good place, truly, then I'm fine with it. If it's just malice and I hate this country, um, no, I, I might, you might have a problem with it. But if, they're, if you're doing it for a really good reason and trying to progress and move forward, you know, albeit, and like I said... It, as a country, as any industry, really, and, and the NFL is one of the you know, most well-run companies you know, in this country, you have to keep progressing and moving forward. You can't be stuck in the past, and that's kind of where you get in trouble. But they're doing a good job. They're moving forward, and Roger Goodell is the best commissioner you know, in sports by far. They're going to get this you know, moving in a really, really good direction. I truly believe it. And, you know, once again, my overall take when we talk about the situation, because I don't really like talking, you know, politics or or anything of that nature. I really like talking sports. But, you know, I think Drew Brees with his team will be fine because the equity he has built up throughout the years. Um, I I felt bad for him in the sense that he was getting a lot of vitriol from, you know, the sports world. And like I said, he's not a bad guy. He probably just misspoke in that situation. Right. I mean, he doesn't he's not a racist by any means. And then my second bigger overall take is I'm fine with the move with Roger Goodell, you know, allowing protest and and basically being on the side of the players. And then, you know, once again, you can't control people. You can't control what's on people's heart. And if you if you're going to live your life trying to, 
to have the belief that you can control other people, then you're just going to be miserable. Okay? We have to keep progressing forward, and I think it's a good move by the NFL. We just covered the Drew Brees backlash, Roger Goodell's move to basically allow protests in the NFL and be on the side of the players and really get the ball moving forward with racial injustice and systematic oppression and police brutality and things of that nature. Colin Kaepernick has come back into the discussion. And it was really brought into discussion by Malcolm Jenkins, who said that the NFL, you know, wouldn't be moving forward until they made an apology to Colin Kaepernick or signed him. Now, here's the deal. There, there's so many aspects of this that, that haven't been touched, and I'm going to touch on them here. Now, Colin Kaepernick sued the league. Now, I'm not an attorney or anything, but in, here's what I think. I mean, can they even talk about that? Is that even legal after they settled in court? Can they even talk about it? Can he even play in the NFL? We don't even know that. I don't know that. I'm sure somebody has an answer. That's a lot smarter than I do. But that was just something that came to mind. When I think of Colin Kaepernick, it was, you know, the whole, the whole belief is that, well, the NFL, you know, locked him out. They froze him. But I don't know. I mean, did owners actually have a big Zoom call? and say, we're not signing him? I, I don't know what happens there. I don't. Now, they settled in court. But like I said, it's, there's so many aspects of it. Now, he's 33, hasn't played in the league in about three or four years. And even when he was playing, he wasn't some top 10 quarterback. He was, a, he was in the bottom 30. You know, He had lost his job to Blaine Gabbard. He was not a primetime quarterback anymore. He wasn't. He had a short window where he was really good. He was. But that was a long time ago. I mean, that was 2012, 2013. We're now in 2020. So that was seven and eight years ago. That was a long time ago. And he was a guy who, and if you've listened to him before, I believe in this. Tom Brady and Drew Brees and these guys can age well because their game isn't predicated on athletic ability. It's just not. But when your game is predicated on athletic ability and you're aging, that's going to age as well. That's why I'm not a huge Taysom Hill guy. He's 30, going to be 31, I think, believe, maybe next year. That relying on his athleticism will only last a couple more years, and that's also, you know, Kaepernick's 33, and he's aging, right? So will he still have that same burst? But there's other things, I think, that it's not easy signing him. Once again, we talked about his level of play three or four years ago, right? Not the best. Then we talked about the, uh, the issue with the NFL. He sued them. They settled. Can they even sign him? Can they even talk about it? That's another issue. Also, another issue is he's not going to be a starting quarterback. That's so unrealistic to think that he can even go compete to be a starting quarterback. It's unrealistic at this point, okay? And I'm not pro or con Kaepernick. Like I just said, it doesn't bother me what your views on the world are. You know, we, we're all different. I'm just being realistic. So he's not going to compete for a starting job, right? That's not going to happen. So he goes somewhere, let's say. He's going to have to be a backup. Now, a backup quarterback, and you hear this all the time from the media, well, so-and-so-and-so-and-so is a backup quarterback, and he's not very good, and he's this, he's that, he's old, he's not mobile, he's this. 
yes, that's understandable. But a lot of guys, if they have their quarterback, a lot of teams who have their guy, what they want in place is a Josh McCown type guy. You know, his brother Luke McCown was like that with the Saints, with Drew Brees, where I think Luke McCown was watching film for Drew Brees and he wanted to have an extra ear, right, and eyes in the film room with him. That's what you want out of your backup quarterback if you have a guy that you go to as your quarterback on your franchise. You don't want somebody who's going to, you know, be a competitive figure for you because you already have the guy. You want somebody who will help the quarterback and be an asset. And Kaepernick, dating back to, I guess this was 2014, 2015, it was Jay Glazer who reported that he had become kind of alienated in the locker room. He's not a very vocal guy. He kind of keeps himself. I mean, if you see, he has been such a big topic of the racial injustice issues and police brutality, but you never hear him talk. He's not a very talkative guy. And that's something that you would need in your backup quarterback to you know, be talkative and really help out the starter. Will he be willing to be that guy? Will he be willing to you know, basically take a pay cut because he's not going to get a huge contract. He's just not. So that's the issue, too. Is he willing to be a backup? Is he your prototypical backup and what you're looking for in a backup quarterback? And then another big reason, and to me, one of the biggest, why he won't, why it would be tough to sign him, I'll say this, is that right now in this country, 2020, you know, most GMs are white, you know, and even if you were an African-American, most owners are white. The issue in this country is you do not want to be called a racist. That is, (laughs) that's something you can't get back. All right. I mean, people will just call you a racist and then, you know, you're just a bad human being the rest of your life. and There's nothing you can do about it. I mean, people are terrified of it at this point. And, I'm going to put you in the shoes of, let's just say, a team. Let's say Jacksonville Jaguars, right? And this can go for a lot of other teams who, who don't have, a, I would say, a top 10 quarterback, okay? And I would even say, like, the Dallas Cowboys because it's a, it's a bigger team. Um, you know, Dak Prescott, he's kind of been in limbo. Do they sign? Do they not? And obviously, it's the Dallas Cowboys. is a huge brand. So I'm going to use them as an example. So... Colin Kaepernick, let's say Andy Dalton, I'm I'm playing a super hypothetical game here, but they don't sign Andy Dalton and they sign Kaepernick. He's the backup quarterback, okay? Week one, they lose. Dax, he's averaged. Week two, they lose. They start off 0-2 and Dak has played okay, not great. You're going to hear people say, why isn't Cap playing? Because a lot of people that are into Cap aren't football people. Okay, they're not going to be realistic with it. And you're going to have a big media frenzy when he gets signed. Go to that team and cover it. And they're going to be all over the GM, the coach, the owner. Why isn't he playing? Why isn't he playing? Is this a racial issue? A lot of teams don't want that. That's a lot to take on. Okay, Right or wrong, his persona now and you know, the whole protest thing, he has become a huge figure. It's what I said about Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow, I guess, had a huge religious following. He was such a college superstar that it almost became a hindrance to him 
during his career that teams probably didn't want to have him on the team anymore because if your quarterback didn't play great, then why isn't Tebow playing? What do you have against him? And teams don't really want to deal with that. I could even say the same thing about Cam Newton because he's going to have to be a backup at this point. And do you want a star backup? Because then you have to answer questions. Why isn't he playing? Why isn't he playing? Will that create friction in the locker room? Those are things you have to think about. That's why it becomes tough to sign Colin Kaepernick. You know? I think there's one team I really think would work, and that's the Kansas City Chiefs. Just won the Super Bowl. There will be no controversy with him or Patrick Mahomes at all. We talk about having a reclamation project at quarterback because the man hasn't played in four years. Well, Andy Reid had a, a really good reclamation project with Michael Vick when he came from prison, and it worked out well. Now, you don't need it to work out well because he's a backup quarterback at this point. But to me, that would be the place. You have a quarterback that is the guy. There is no question. And you have a coach who obviously is, a, is an amazing coach. has done a great job with every quarterback he's had. And like I said, I don't think that would be a real controversial situation. I think they would be able to make it work because I believe, I think it's either Matt Moore or Chad Henney is their backup, right? So, I mean, a guy like that, like Colin Kaepernick, could probably step in and, you know, compete with one of those guys for the backup job. And so that to me would be their best case scenario. I don't think it's just as easy as sign him, just sign him. And, and that, there's a lot of things that go into it. Like I talked about, we went over it. So it's not that easy. But once again, I think the NFL is heading in the right direction with allowing the protests and everything. Just like I said, you're not going to, you won't stop hearing about the Kaepernick situation from people in the media. But people who are realistic in the media know that this is a very, very complex situation. The NBA made a big announcement this week. They're going to return to play. So that sounds very exciting, right? We haven't watched team sports, at least the big three that I consider Major League Baseball, NBA, NFL, and even throw in college football in there. I kind of I kind of tie it in with the NFL. But we haven't seen any of our big sports come back to play. It's been, you know, three and a half months of nothing. Sure, you've had a little, you know, NASCAR or, you know, UFC. But I'm talking about the big time guys, all right? And the NBA says it's coming back. So you're excited. But it's coming back July 31st. I mean... That is more than a month and a half away from now. I think the NBA is kind of dropping the ball here. So I'm going to explain my theory on it. The NBA is going to start July 31st. Um, I'm not going to get into all the minutia as far as all the teams going. I really don't even think it matters. Um, They're playing a couple regular season games. They're hopping into the playoffs. So it's July 31st. And if they had a game seven of the NBA championship, it would end October 12th. Okay, here's the problem. There is nothing going on right now. Absolutely nothing. Okay, you have June, you have July, you could even own August. And, and, and they will. They'll own August, all right? Because now we'll get into Major League Baseball in a little bit, but they're dropping the ball. They're completely ridiculous, um, and it's absurd. And like I said, we'll talk about it shortly. But the NBA has a great opportunity. But once again, the reason they will never overtake the NFL at least one of them, is you have to take risks. They're not willing to be flexible here. Look, if you can jump back into it right away, okay, 
You just notify everybody you're coming back. Okay, fine. We'll give them a week to get prepared, to set up a plan in place. This isn't rocket science. And get them going. Get them in the training camps. I mean, they can even practice at most of their facilities right now. Get it going. And then why not late June instead of late July? Because what's going to happen is, what are you banking on in the NBA, ratings-wise? Well, you're banking on the playoffs, you know, having some really good games and a lot of buzz, and then you get a big, big rating. But you're not going to get that. Why? You're going up against a juggernaut in the NFL and college football. So unless they stagger these games Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, Friday, they're not going to get huge ratings. And even then, as a consumer of sports, and I love sports, I can't sit there and watch sports every night of the week. I have a family, and most people do. So in the football season, you're really prioritizing those weekends, those Saturdays, those Sundays, you know, maybe even like a Monday. But your wife, your kids don't want to just watch sports all the time. So I don't think they're going to get a big rating. Also, besides the TV ratings, which I think will be a, a nightmare, is just it's an outdated plan. Sure, if you if you would have told me you're coming back with this plan to put players and teams in a bubble in Orlando and Disney World in March or in April, I'd be like, wow, that's that's not a bad idea right there. That's progressive, and that you know, that's good thinking. But we're now in June, okay? You could have come up with something probably a little better or maybe even a little more flexible um, because here's why. You're going to go to Disney World in a bubble, and then they're throwing in, well, we're going to let you have your your families come with you. Ooh, that's going to be nice. Until the families and the kids, you know, of of these players are going to be stuck in their hotel room and seeing everybody else go to Disney World and Universal Studios in Orlando, and you have to be stuck in your room, and you're going to ask, why? Why am I stuck in my room? Well, you know, for dad to play, he has to, you know, quarantine. Look, maybe I get the players right, and there's some things about the COVID-19 that the asymptomatic to me is just the weirdest thing in the world. I, I, I don't know. I'm still kind of trying to wrap my brain around it. Because if you're asymptomatic and you're spreading it around, because most of these athletes, they're saying they're asymptomatic. So if I'm spreading the virus around, but I'm still asymptomatic, I don't know, what does that do? And it, it, it's confusing. But my opinion is keep the families at home. And then you could start off in Orlando, but as states continue to open up, Texas has already said 50% fans. There's other states, Florida has welcomed, you know, fans back in the stands and sports back into their state. This is a fluid situation. Things are happening quickly, okay? We're we're killing this virus right now. Now, it's not going away completely, and you're going to hear all fall long, you know, for football season, second wave, second wave, second wave. And we'll see. Maybe that is true. But... I just think this this could have been a better plan. It's a little outdated, you know, and you're going <laughs> to So let's let's put this in perspective. So LeBron James, NBA superstar and he's really the guy that the NBA is really, you know, hoping to go the distance with the Lakers. It's it's a, you know, it's a ratings juggernaut. That's what they need. So you're trying to tell me superstar like him is going to be basically quarantined for 3 months in Orlando. 
you know, in his hotel room. I don't know. I just, I think they could have been a little more flexible. And once again, maybe you have a training camp in Orlando. You keep seeing how this progresses. And then, you know, maybe August, you're like, well, things look, you know, or mid-August or September, you're saying, well, things are looking up and up in, in California. They want to get us back with 25% fans. Then, then go with it. Maybe you could play in a, in a smaller, you know, high school arena. Pack it in there. Make it look better. And maybe the players can feed off of that that momentum in the crowd. And I think it's just a better product overall. So you know, this could be interesting. I think October twelfth. That is the Saints and the Chargers Monday Night Football. So if you'd have like a Game Seven Lakers Bucks, first off, that's not going to be a huge rating. And then you know, what are you going to tune into? Are you going to tune into Lakers Bucks empty arena? No fans in, you know, Disney World. It's going to be interesting. I might just turn it on just to watch how weird it's going to be. <laughs> just So, once again, yes, they're coming back. And the people that cover basketball who are terrified to just knock anything of the NBA because they're so beholden to these superstars in that they don't want to, you know, they don't want to pander to them. So... I don't think it's a great idea. It's great that they're coming back. Yeah, I think we all knew that just because revenue-wise, they had to come back. No doubt about it. But I just don't, I don't love the plan. It's not very flexible. And to me right now, it just seems outdated.